This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express Card. And we here on Savor are what you might call food explorers. It has been our actual job to go to cool places and eat, like, a lot of the food there. And then talk about it. And then talk about it into these microphones, which is a crazy dream job. Yes. Well, if you're like us and willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people like us who are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Our second Mai Tai of the day was at uh, Miramans. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And I had heard about this one because our coworker Alex had been to Hawaii recently for his honeymoon. And Alex is very um, poetic with his words. Mm-hmm. And um, he sent me a wonderful, I was like, oh, we're going to Hawaii, suggestions. And he sent me a beautifully worded list of suggestions. And he, it was so like, poetic and epic what he said about this Mai Tai and specifically the foam on top, the lily koi foam. Uh, Yeah, lily koi being passion fruit. Yes. So I was very excited to try this. Alex had built it up and I gotta say it met the the hype. Oh, yeah. It was one of the prettiest drinks we had all week. Mm -hmm. Um, And the foam really did did make it in a way, yeah. It did. It added this like layer of tartness that... um, that you don't always, I mean, you know, if you get a really good punch of lime juice, it can do a similar thing. But I think it was that that set off my obsession with Lily Koi mm-hmm. for the rest of the trip. I was just like more passion fruit everything all the time. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to find this much of it anywhere ever again. Yeah. <laughs> so please let me eat it all now. Hello and welcome to Saver Protection of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about Lily Koi, um, a.k.a. Passion fruit. Yes, which is exciting. We're excited about this one. Oh, yes. So excited. It's like my new favorite food. Yeah. <laughs> I had not had much experience with passion fruit before we went to Hawaii. But while we were in Hawaii. Oh, it was everywhere, which was glorious. 
It was. It was. The, that foam, that glorious foam and the clip <laughs> from the top. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, yeah, we have this. We had Lilikoi and sodas and malasadas. Oh, uh, which are a kind of donut. A delicious. Like a, like a filled donut, yeah. Oh, so good. Or can be filled. Anyway, yes. <laughs> we had it in uh, cocktails, and I feel like we had it in other dessert form. Uh, yeah, it was in at least two of the fancy desserts that Michelle Carr Uyoka uh, served us over at MW Restaurant in Honolulu. Yes. Uh, we did eat a lot of food on this trip, if it wasn't clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this passion fruit lilikoi is also popular in jams, ice cream, juice, butter, wine, shave ice. Some cultures believe that after taking a bite of passion fruit, you will fall in love with the next person that you see. Or at the very least, that's the internet lore yes. about the thing. I was not able to confirm. <laughs> I'm Which sure it's cultures? just passion in the name. Sure. And then that's all it took. <laughs> but yes, uh, uh, sauces, jellos, cocktails, passion fruit wine. I went from having to ask one of our interviewees, like, what the heck Lilikoi is, in reference to that foam, I do believe, um, to being like flat out obsessed with it within two weeks. Um, I don't think I'd had any particularly exemplary interactions with passion fruit here on the mainland. But, um, you know, I'd like mostly seen it as a, as a syrup or maybe an ingredient in a fruit punch situation or as an artificial flavor. And I didn't even have a good concept of like what that flavor was supposed to be. Me either. Mm -hmm. And that brings us to our question, mm -hmm. passion fruit. What is it? Well, Passion fruit is the fruit of a flowering vine in the Passiflora genus, and there are a lot of distinct species within this genus, some 500, of which about 60 bear edible fruit, um, of which a handful are widely cultivated. The vines have these big, glossy, three-lobed green leaves, and they grow real vigorously. They'll climb pretty much as high as you let them and can provide a lot of cover. Some species are considered invasive in some places in the world. Uh, the fruits are round to oval and come in two main varieties, uh, purple-skinned, which are this like dark, like gothy purple when they're ripe and about the size of a golf ball, and yellow-skinned, which are lemon yellow when ripe and can reach the size of a grapefruit. Both have this like thick, like leathery skin that encases many flat oval seeds, which are each individually uh, encased in a little like jelly-like juice sack. Yeah, like if you've ever cut open a pomegranate, um, it's sort of like that, except where the arils or juice sacs of a pomegranate are firm and dry, the arils of passion fruit are soft and kind of slimy. Mm. Um, the arils pulp can range in color from white to deep gold to bright orange, and the seeds are brown to black. Both are edible. Uh, the seeds are like toasty flavored and crunchy like popcorn, um, or that's how I find them anyway. And uh, the pulp is just bright and sweet tart and a little musky and floral and tropical, uh, sort of like a like a more complex version of a, of a pineapple or a more acidic version of guava, if you're familiar with that. Um, you can strain the seeds out if you want. Uh, the purple ones tend to be a little bit sweeter and more frost tolerant. The yellow ones more acidic and disease resistant. Which one you like and want to grow? is really, really up to you. I can't tell you what to do. Nope. That's nope. not what we're here for. Nope. Passion fruit is native to South America. Why do we call it passion fruit? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Catholic missionaries. <laughs> Catholic missionaries from Spain in the Brazilian Amazon in the 16th to 17th century gave it the name Flor Passiones, 
passion flower, or flor de las cinco llagas, or flor de las cinco chagas, flower of the five wounds. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. They thought that the purple flower looked like Jesus's five wounds. The passion being the passion, meaning suffering, of the Christ the days leading up to his crucifixion. And to be fair, I get I get to be fair, um, these flowers do look wild. Like they can come in a few colors. Uh, the most common have these large petals that are that are white on their tips and royal blue to purple towards the center. And then this spray or corona of long tendrils over top of the petals coming out from the center. And then coming up from that center, there's this, like, tall structure with all of these uh, anthers and stigmas, you know, like the flower's actual reproductive bits. Like, these things look like, like, Chihuly sculptures. They're super cool looking. Yeah. Kind of blew my mind. And, like, the name goes even more, even beyond the passion. The five spikes represent Christ's crown of thorns, the ten petals symbolic in the minds of these Catholic missionaries, of the ten faithful apostles, the three stigmata, the three nails, the tendrils of the plant were reminiscent of whips, and the ovary and cup, the Holy Grail. The missionaries used all of this, all of this tied up in the anglicized passion fruit and used it as part of their efforts to convert the indigenous population to Christianity. Huh. Look at this fruit. It's all of this stuff that we're trying (laughs) to convince you is the way to be. Well, I mean... I never thought about why we call it passion fruit. I just assumed it was like... Right. It's it's passionate. It's a bright... Flavor, yeah. I don't know. We we like it. Passion. Yeah, I had never <laughs> thought about 16th century missionaries. Nope, me either. Well, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> oh, food shows. Um, when passion fruits uh, get ripe, they usually drop to the ground, and uh, even commercial productions will usually harvest them uh, by collecting the fruit by hand from the ground. Um, the The skin of the fruit will go sort of like dented or wrinkly after they drop, and that's when they're the sweetest. Scented, wrinkly, equals good. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Chef Alan Wong, who we did interview, but we did not ask him about passion fruit, silly us. Yeah. He told Honolulu Magazine, visitors always ask me what's the one thing they should do before they leave Hawaii. I say go hiking and look for lilikoi, crack with your palms between your knees, and eat them. There's nothing else like it. Ah, <sighs> That's a great tip. That is. Yeah, and you and you can split them open, yeah, with with your with your hands. They get a little bit messy. They might squish out. I think using a knife to open one is the preferred cleaner method. But if you don't mind a little bit of a mess, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about the nutrition? Well, uh, passion fruit is pretty good for you. Lots of vitamin C and A, smattering of other micronutrients, tons of fiber, like even in the strained juice, which is why the juice is so thick. In the juicing industry, the seeds are often discarded as waste, but they're now being investigated for being like pressed for their oil as a potential value-added byproduct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the seed oil is also pretty good for you. Lots of like good fats and nutrients um, and apparently has a slightly floral or fruity smell like the fruit. Fun there. Um, the flowers and stems and leaves are also consumed in a tea or tincture form, uh, more as an herbal medicine than as like snacks, um, as they have a slight sedative effect that has been researched as an anti-anxiety medication and sleep aid. Um, it's apparently on the scale uh, somewhat less effective than like valerian root, but it does rank. 
Huh. Yeah. How interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Extracts of the peels are also being investigated for medicinal purposes. They contain antioxidants and have been shown to have some, like, anti-inflammatory properties, which in small studies have helped folks control asthma and blood pressure. Um, And extracts of the fruit have been found to have decent antimicrobial properties in the mouth when taken orally after dentistry um, and a more pleasant taste than herbal remedies for use in uh, developing countries. Oh, nice. Yeah. Huh. Well, we do have some numbers for you. We do. Um, Though native to the Americas, passion fruit and passion flowers are grown all over the world. In China, Iran, India, Southeast Asia, Australia, and the whole dang rest of Oceania, um, throughout tropical and subtropical parts of Africa, and in Spain, Portugal, and Belgium. Um, Brazil, though, is the largest producer of the fruit. Over 50% of the world's production happens there, and I've seen numbers up to like 70%. Um, But most of that stays in Brazil. Um, Markets for both the fruit and extracts for personal care products are growing, and uh, supply is currently struggling to meet demand. We just missed the second annual Maui Lily Koi Festival. It was on September 19th, 2019. Oh. (sighs) Put on by Napili Farmer's Market. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. We Um, have so many things to return for. (laughs) Let's, you know, let's just... That's a good problem to have. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, until then, in this very episode, we're going to dig into the history of Lilikoi. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, Another thing from their passion fruit, I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. 
Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, uh, we humans, not like me and Annie, Mm -hmm. um, uh, have known that purple varieties of passion fruit originated in subtropical parts of South America, like around about modern-day Brazil. Uh, No one's sure entirely how the yellow variety developed. As a hybrid? As a mutation? Mysteries of history. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. But it seems, in any case, that native peoples have been collecting and cultivating passion fruit and passion flowers as food and medicine— for like a couple thousand years throughout the Americas, like like from South America all the way up through uh, as far north as the modern-day U.S. state of Virginia. Um, but unlike some other crops that like immediately went abroad after contact, passion fruit doesn't seem to have made it out of the Americas for a really long time. Um, maybe because it's like so highly perishable and really stubbornly tropical or subtropical, but yeah, uh, colonists and traders did introduce seeds of the purple type to Australia in the early 1800s, and then from Australia to Hawaii in 1880, where it became a popular home garden plant. The story goes that when passion fruit first arrived in Hawaii, it was planted in the Lilikoi district of Maui, and the name stuck. The purple variety was... Uh, Introduced or perhaps reintroduced by white settlers into the South and Central uh, mainland United States in 1887 and then to India and parts of Africa and Asia in the early 1900s and to a few gardens in Europe. Um, And meanwhile, it was spreading the purple type like woe in Hawaii. Um, By the 1930s, wild lilikoi could be found uh, on all of the Hawaiian islands. Yes, uh, and though the yellow passion fruit arrived a bit later than the purple variety to Hawaii, um, it, it really took off there. In 1951, the University of Hawaii picked lilikoi as one of the most promising crops. At the time, there were only about five acres. Seven years later, 1,200 acres of primarily yellow passion fruit were up and running. The industry was there to stay. The focus then was on quick-frozen lilikoi juice. Earlier in the 1940s, someone that history knows only as Mr. Haley tried to market and sell canned passion fruit juice, but he was ultimately unsuccessful and closed up shop after World War II. In the 1950s, one Noel Fujimoto selected yellow passion fruit cultivars until he arrived at the Knoll's Special Variety, which I just, I love that name. (laughs) Knoll's Special. (laughs) You really shot the kernel on that one, bud. These were hardier and produced more sellable fruit than any other existing cultivar. Along the same lines, two hybrids of purple and yellow passion fruit developed at a research center in Queensland, Australia, had a higher yield and fruit-bearing window, a longer fruit-bearing window, than their purple passion fruit predecessor, and these were widely adopted in Queensland and New South Wales. 
Going back a little bit um, and back to South America, the yellow passion fruit started to gain more traction in the 1950s. Venezuela fell in love with it in 1954-ish and began trying to improve the yield for products like passion fruit ice cream, juice, and uh, this passion fruit rum cocktail that came in a bottle. I think it's canned now. Anyway, uh, going back to North America, one Julia Morton of Florida requested seeds of good strains for both purple and yellow passion fruits from the Queensland Department of Agriculture and Stock. Yes. She received them. Mm -hmm. Um, And once received, Morton then gave them to people willing to experiment. Um, A yellow vine flourished in Pinecrest, Florida, and birds carried seeds that later fruited to the nearby-ish Everglades. She found reports of passion fruit growing in Coconut Grove and Land Lakes. Also in Florida, if you're unfamiliar, I've like been to those places. I know. I had to look up all these places. <laughs> like, oh, that makes sense. They're all in this kind of Yeah, they're all area. basically <laughs> in the same area. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and some vendors in those areas started selling the seeds as well. Around the same time, San Diego boasted small purple passion fruit plantations that they would uh, turn into both um, uh, fresh produce and into juice. However, yeah, it just wasn't really very popular in the mainland United States. Two officials for the United States Agricultural Department authored two reports on the problems of pollination of the yellow variety, problems in their mind that would make juice extraction from the fruit unprofitable. Yeah, the yellow kind is is a little bit pickier. In a lot of cases, you have to cross-pollinate it with something else. And so, yeah. It's got a little bit more going on. It does, yeah. <laughs> um, so these these officials put out a call saying, anyone or any entity that wants to experiment with passion fruit to improve yield and disease resistance, we have samples available for you. Hmm. Minute made. Yes, that one <laughs> answered the call. Huh. In 1965, they had a test colony of yellow passion fruit. But two years later, they threw in the towel, reasoning, quote, the yields are not as large as in more tropical areas where the plant remains productive all year round. Our plants went out of production during the winter season. During the windy spring months of March and April, the vines are badly damaged and no flowers are set until sometime in May. We also found that the passion fruit were expensive to harvest. The fruit has to fall on the ground and sometimes it gets hung up in the vines. There is a continual collection of small quantities of fruit throughout the bearing year. Special equipment is needed to obtain the juice from the fruit without bits of the calyx showing up as objectionable black specks. This equipment is costly and can only be justified when a large volume of fruit is being processed. I oh, like, the woes. I like your dramatic reading of that. You, I, I'm, I'm not sure if they were quite as, I mean, maybe they were that frustrated. Maybe they were like, dang it. <laughs> dang everything about this heckin' thing. I like to imagine that people bring the drama to what seemed to be relatively Boring. It's not boring to me, but, you know. Dry-ish, perhaps. Yes. As dry Uh, as the fruit of the vines. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly, Lauren. Uh, Meanwhile, Nestle's R&D department, yes, that Nestle, um, also got in on passion fruit research in 1965. Um, They listed passion fruit as one of the European market's three insufficiently known subtropical fruits with the greatest potential for processing for juice. Insufficiently known. Yeah. I hope that's what would come up if somebody was, like, trying to look me up at a computer. <laughs> like an FBI agent. Annie Reese, insufficiently known. <laughs> and it's a picture of me looking over my shoulder with my eyes narrowed. Squinty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
In the 1980s, as part of a series of children's books retelling European fairy tales in Hawaii, Jack and the Beanstalk was reimagined as Kiaka and the Lilikoi Vine. Oh. Oh, well, indeed. Um, we do have some more for you. That about wraps up our history portion. It does. But yes, we will be back with more about local produce in Hawaii after we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> Well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So all of this got me to thinking, why did Lilikoi take off in Hawaii and not in the mainland U.S., other than the history, the taste, the climate, and all that other stuff that we just went over? Well, sure, but it could have hypothetically been, been grown uh, more extensively in Florida or California. Um, and, you know, certainly in those places, uh, people didn't come up with a with a local name for it and embrace it in the way that it's been embraced. Yeah, right. And, and a part of it is that 
that wanting to eat local, that wanting yeah. to support Hawaiian farmers and producers. And tourism actually plays a role as well. Since oh, yeah. Hawaii has such a wealth of produce. And since it is a tourist destination, there is an expectation among tourists to experience the foods and drinks that they associate with Hawaii, including passion fruit and things made with passion fruit. Here's Chandra Lam Lucariello, the director of Mixology and Spirits Education with Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits of Hawaii. We, we do have some really respectable craft bars here, but for the most part, people that are visiting from, you know, Atlanta or Chicago or Michigan, they don't want like uh, a Sazerac. They want a Mai Tai. They want to feel like they're on vacation. They want to taste yeah. the flavors of Hawaii. They want passion fruit and guava and, you know, locally made spirits. She also spoke about the um, the creativity, the trying to buy local and seasonal fosters when it comes to designing menus and um, and just experimenting with what's available. The produce is great to use, but it is very seasonal. So then you just change your menu with the different seasons, which is fun, too, because then we have lychee season that's here now. Mango season is right about to erupt, and all the trees are just, like, just full to the brim because we've had a lot of rain before the season, which is great. Uh, but... It is kind of hard to source, and if you can't really get it locally, it's maybe not the best to use. So then you just wait for the season, and and then you work with what you have. Hawaii's dedication to supporting local producers goes deeper. Back to that responsibility our interviewees talked about in our first episode of this miniseries, because it also ties into sustainability. Mm -hmm. As an island, Hawaii's concerns around sustainability are a bit different than those of the mainland. When you're at least 2,000 miles away from anything, everything you ship is going to be expensive, and it's going to hurt the economy in the long term because by outsourcing products, you're also outsourcing jobs. And sustainability is is a buzzword right now, but it is not new at all in Hawaii. Um, uh, Kialoha Domingo touched on this. He's a he's a Hawaiian cultural practitioner who teaches people about Hawaii's native cultures through, among other things, cooking. Uh, local first has been a, a a strong model for you know, I want to say going fifteen years now. Although there are so many times when it's so much easier to, to go step into Costco, you know, and it's right there at your fingertips. But when you understand and you appreciate and you get to know that farmer that grew that produce, when you get to know that farmer that he put his, his good energy, his mana into the soil, into the implements, into everything from, from seed, from huli, which is the planting media for our taro plant. Um, you know, when you put that huli in the ground, it's, you know, it's a part of you. And that, that sustainability just flows. It comes naturally. And I think the more, the more people understand that, the less likely we are to go to Costco. We're going to have a whole episode around sustainability soon. Yes, we promise. Yes. But in the meantime... We would love to hear from you listeners. You can contact us via email at hello at saverpod.com. You can also find us on social media. We are at saverpod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We do hope to hear from you. 
Thank you so much to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard, our executive producer, Christopher Hesiotis, and our interviewees, and also Michelle McGowan-Rice of the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival, Don Sakamoto paiva of Put It On My Plate, and Joy Goto and Maria Hartfield of the Hawaii Visitor Center and Convention Bureau for putting us in touch with those interviewees. Savor is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you for our special recording assistance today from JJ Posway. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.